the only reason I'm wearing it. It's a great looking shirt. The instant teams hoodie, yeah. the lightweight hoodie. I got the hat back there somewhere. The uh, it's everyone's um, getting their uh, their Amber Alert right now. Oh yeah, for I didn't get it. Mm. I don't know. Well, shows shows uh, starting off with a uh, with awesomeness. I always think that those things. Like the emergency broadcast system is always an interesting thing. And for it to have just happened in this scenario, I think it is just because it's like you can inform everyone if you want to. But like, where's that line? And then like, just like with uh, like cell phone providers, when your car is moving a certain speed, you know, you can turn that phone off. You know, that they have the ability to turn that thing off to tell you that you can't do it. They just don't care because they want you to use it and and all of that so it's interesting how like we are manipulated into a process that uh is wild i don't know where i'm going with that but i mean it's just I like know. we know they I have would... the technology to do these things it's just that they don't I, yeah, where of... i was initially going was like any company that wants us to uh wear their swag they just need to send us their swag and yes. we'll wear it on our on the show also that that's fine. Yeah. Also, you can send me black T-shirts, Tim a SpaceX or a Tesla shirt. He'll wear it all the time. No, I, I, mean, I, 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 uh, I wear the the seven five seven. You do. Logo uh, shirt. I, uh, I think I wore it. Uh, yeah, I wore it a couple days ago. But yeah, that's in, it's in my rotation. In your rotation, also the hat. I think you're a big hat fan of that thing. You and uh, Scott Jenna, Scott mm. Jenny, you guys love that hat. It's a limited edition thing. You know what's interesting? I ran a race this weekend, and the 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 swag was let's just say not great. Okay, like when you have an ability to like get your because no one wants out. to run that boring route. Okay, well you know what's funny? <laughs> Multiple people during that race said, "I hate this route," and I just kept thinking of you every time because I was like damn, Tim hates this route too. Maybe there is something to it. Um, but what I was going to get out on that point is like, it's your opportunity to like promote that thing, whatever it is. And when we did start Norfolk back, way back when, it, my whole thing was like, if we're going to have swag, if we're going to have shirts, if we're going to have stuff, we're going to have hoodies for people to wear. And this design is ugly. I don't want this to just be a gym shirt. I don't want this I to was, just be pajamas for someone. On and that... It, I wore my my Start Norfolk three hoodie Monday. It's a good one. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, my that, that's I, awesome. I am the it's only one that has a. I'm the only one that has a Start Norfolk one hoodie. By the way, some people have the Start Norfolk one shirts, but I'm the only one that got the hoodie because when I got it in demo, whatever they call that, like a prototype, I was like, this is terrible. Like the the way that the graphics landed on the, mm. the zipper. Just didn't Is work. that the one with the hammer? Or no, the, no, not the hammer, but uh, cityscape. Yeah, I don't know. I'll find it, Kara. What do you think about swag? And uh, not the swag, like I have swag, like I'm I'm ready for this thing. But swag swagger. from like a promotional, yeah, not swagger. You know, that's Deion Sanders <laughs> Prime. But swag from like, uh, well, you're wearing a seven five seven shirt, right? So you're you're trying to get that brand out there. It's interesting the like amount of companies that will provide tchotchkes and swag that is just absolutely terrible. 
And then they like spend so much money on this stuff. No one wants it. No one uses it. No one wears it. What is that? A Hello Kitty? No, that's a city of Norfolk uh, breath mints. Mint? Yes. Yeah, it's like free. something like that. Like, I don't know. Like, it just seems kind of silly to me. It's like, I think if companies actually like thought about this stuff from a better perspective, from a, from a deeper, like, oh, these people are going to wear this. They're going to represent me. And if it looks like, you know, if it looks like crap, they might not wear it where they want to. What is your overall thought on the, the tchotchke swag world? Yeah, so I typically only have swag if it's for the company I work for, right? And then once we terminate that relationship, I feel kind of jaded in wearing their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I probably have a crate full of swag from every company I've ever worked for, and it's just sitting there collecting dust. Um, so, yeah, but if it's a good hand sanitizer with, like, that little doggle and I could put it on my purse... I do use mm. that. I think I have Dominion Power, Dominion Energy one on my pocketbook right now. So if it's usable, I'll use it. But like t-shirts, See, you, that is the key. It has to be there. There needs to be functionality to it. Yeah. Stuff that is just going to collect dust. That like we have stuff that I don't even know what it is. I bring it. A lot of times I just leave it or I just pass on it because it just enough is enough. We were just at a uh, an event. James, who's uh. Producer James, who's in the background, we were at an event and they, you know, my office, my other office, it, it needs some feng shui in a really, really big way. It's super oh. plain. I get a hard time about it, but, and, you know, they were giving out plants, but I still had to pass on it. I just, I just, there's just too much stuff, but there, so it needs to have some, some functionality to it. Or you know, be fashionable, right? Like if you have a lifestyle brand and you're trying to promote your brand, then cool. Like I think our 757 t-shirts are dope. Like, it doesn't really scream too much as being like, I don't know, um, swaggy, right? It looks like something that's a part of my well, outfit. I a valuable lesson I learned, and, and Zach is the one that taught me this, is that it is so important to spend the extra $2 on an ultra soft t-shirt. No one wants those cheap, scratchy t-shirts. You're never going to wear them. The so spend, you got to spend the money and get the nice soft t-shirt. Yep. A former guest, uh, Cassidy Lewis, who is the CMO at uh, Cooper Hurley Injury Lawyers, they gave me this pen a long time ago, right? Uh-huh. And and so I use this pen. I don't know what it is. It's a it's a Bic grip roller. This is an awesome pen. There, that's that's so, a fine writing pen. This is a great pen. I had two of them. They started running out. I literally emailed her like two weeks ago, and I was like, Cassidy, we have a problem. I need another pen. And so she sent me more. <laughs> and so it's like nothing against those like clickety Bic pens, right? But that's like, that's not a great pen. This is a great pen. Invest probably 25 cents extra in this case. And it goes a long way. People are actually going to use it. And they, you know, they're they're constantly taking notes with it. I think it's important. This is the one and only Start Norfolk. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. No, but there was there's another some, there's one. There's some that... gray shirts with this. yeah. There's another, there's another, I can't remember what year it was, Zach, but it was a vertical logo. Okay. So the one with that was like the, um, you said the hammer or like the screwdriver or something like that. Yeah, it's maybe that it was one? a screw. It was something. Yeah. 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 That's I'd have to go through all my files, but yeah, like we used to look, it's just important, right? You, you're you're going to spend, and we were buying like three, 400 shirts at a time, you know, cause that's how many attendees we had. So it was, that was not a small bill. 
right? And right. so you're sitting there like, oh, God, this is a lot of money going towards this thing. I sure hope that people liked them and people loved them. And so it yeah. was it was important. I also I have some shirts that didn't go over well, too, Zach. Of mine? Business mm -hmm. perspective, if you get something that people aren't going to wear, you really just wasted your money, right? So I think to you guys' point, like it's best better to spend that extra few dollars and then people are actively spreading the word about your brand. Mm -hmm. 100%. Also, don't put dates on stuff because if so, for some reason it gets rained out, whatever, et cetera, you screw yourself. Now, that said 2011 on it, but... That's fair. I don't eat my, you know, I'm an, I'm an oxymoron. I don't listen to myself. <laughs> you know, it's fine. Kira, I've never met you. This is exciting. Um, you, you appear to be talented enough. This is going to be an awesome conversation. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Tell us. Yeah. Tell us what's, what's, what's the Kira story? Where are you, where are you from? How did you, how did you get involved with uh 757 collab? What's, what's the, the backstory, if you will. Yeah, so I am from Hampton Roads, born and raised in Suffolk, Virginia, um, graduated from Old Dominion University, so I spent a few years on campus in Norfolk, um, and then after graduating, I started to explore the world a little bit. I spent some time in Sandpoint, Idaho, um, and then I ended up living in Dallas, Texas for about seven years, um, and then I found that the people across the world just could not compare to the vibes I got back home in Hampton Roads. And so I slowly made my way back home, um, coming back down the coast. I started up in Northern Virginia and then eventually landed back in Hampton Roads as a buyer for Dollar Tree for quite some time. Um, mm. And then eventually I got tired of making billion dollar businesses, more billions of dollars. And I was <laughs> only taking home a fraction of that. And I was like, you know what? Um, over the last decade, I've gotten a lot of knowledge that I know my peers haven't been privy to. So I was like, let me take this back home and let me just start to figure out how can I pour into others. Um, I took some time off from work, took a leave of absence, and I ended up attending the Mighty Dream that Pharrell did, um, literally right in Grammy Street at uh, MacArthur Center. That's how I found out about Assembly, the Assembly building. And I was like, this is a dope building. I never knew it was here. And then I learned about 757 Startup Studios. So interestingly enough, because I was trying to figure out how do I start my or restart my entrepreneurship endeavors, I had reached out to Hunter Walsh. We did a little interview and I got accepted to be a founder in 757 Startup Studios. And I was super excited, did my onboarding. And then we had a program manager position that opened up under the Accelerate program. And I was like, hey, I have some background. I think I can help you with this. I got the job and here I am about six, seven months in now. Um, and I've moved from program manager to now manager of innovation and strategic partnerships. So that's long story short. Wow. Where in Northern Virginia did you live? Alexandria. Um, okay. I worked in Crescent City. I worked for Lidl. Okay. So when you worked at Dollar, like you, you said growing that business was something that you didn't want to to continue to do because you're just making billionaires more billions of dollars and things like that Absolutely. if you think about it i think a lot of people b believe in that dollar is an interesting kind of homegrown story though that yeah. has really become this this mega brand and it, it, it's pretty interesting if you were to think off the top of your head maybe one of the two things that you learned from there that you can 
relay to other founders in this area, what, what, what would that be? Um, I would say the biggest thing is you can make a dollar stretch, right? Like consumers have to be like, how do they stay in business and they only make a dollar now, a dollar 25 on every item? Um, you really learn there how to be strategic about product development, how to cut costs, how to negotiate. Um, so I'll say that's that's the biggest thing that I've learned there. And then secondly, I will say if you know the history of how it started as just one single store, um, it's really aspirational to know that when it started here, um, it grew. And then they got so big that they were even able to acquire another um, dollar store. So they acquired Family Dollar. Um, so just see that kind of story take fruition and grow within our community is really aspirational. Yeah, I think it was on Granby Street or something like that in Ward's Corner, if I recall. And it was a toy store. It wasn't called Dollar at the mm. originally, if I recall. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Am I right? Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but I know it like was JMB really... Toys or something. I feel like it's yeah. something like that. Yeah. It was like a family run. One guy was like, you know what? Let me open up this convenience store that's affordable for the community. And now look at it. It's all over the nation. Actually, it's actually um, in Canada too. They have some Canada stores, so it's in Canada too. Oh wow! Wow, look at—I'm just—I'm kind of speechless with Zach's knowledge. Just, just getting after it. Look at you, Zach. Mason Brock. Yeah, I mean, well, you gotta look at these things and like, I, I'm a big. I look at companies, no matter the size, and I go, okay, cool. Let's figure out how. Let's dissect that. Let's figure out what they did to to get there. If yeah. you know anything about me, you know I love wrestling. I think Vince McMahon uh, is one of the most underrated businessmen of, of all time. And I say that because he basically figured out how to turn a circus into a billion-dollar business. And so if you look at how they marketed that, it's, 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 it's intriguing to me that there are things that you can learn from that and see how much promotion they put into this stuff every single week. You look at ESPN, how much, how much promotion they're putting into something just to get people to tune in to to you know this weekend the heisman show right the the heisman trophy mm. winner or or a football game and something like that and then you look at founders who send out one email or do one facebook post and they're wondering why they're not getting the awareness out there i go you're you're not even looking at your surroundings and seeing what other other businesses are doing to get that awareness to get that attraction to 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 other eyeballs and it's like you have to be doing so much stuff so many times to get that the awareness and the eyeballs that you want. So so do that. And 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 so I look at other companies, you know, the ones in your backyard too and you're like, look, there's a reason why they've they've been so successful is because they go to the top of the mountain and they scream recola, you know, it's 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 what you got to do. <laughs> You like that? They do. It's called competitive shopping. They are literally their marketing team is looking at all of the ads that every other competitor in their market has run. Um, they're looking at product development. So like what are the other companies and competitors putting on their shelves? And every time they go to buy it, it's sold out. Like, do we have that to find the gap? Um, they're looking at where they do their advertising placement. So are they seeing ads pop up on social media or is it still running in a newspaper? Um, so same thing applies. It's just on a smaller scale when we talk about founders and small business owners. 
Yeah, whatever what's... you can do to get those eyeballs. I mean, it's it's important. You got the Costco food court. That's a loss leader for them, but they know that people go in there and they're going to go shop. I mean, there's all these little things that like you could take and say, okay, well, maybe I break even on this. Maybe I lose a couple bucks, but it's going to bring in all this other traffic and it's going to help me. It's like, think about these things, people. Absolutely. Tim? No, uh, Kara, do you find that is one of the big things that the founders within Colab struggle with? Is it uh, the lack of marketing? Is it imposter syndrome that uh, they don't believe in themselves enough? What do you what do you what do you think it is? Great question. Um, so I feel that founders are very ambitious, right? Um, and and if this is for everyone, especially in the digital age. We see the end result, but you don't really get a lot of times the backstory of how that person got there. You really don't see the years of prepping and planning and all of the no's and all of the um, obstacles that they face. You just see it when it blows up. So a lot of founders come into this thinking that it should be an overnight success or that you schedule one meeting with the investor or you schedule one meeting with whomever in the business and they should automatically open up their pockets or they should automatically be receptive to your idea. Um, and realistically speaking, that's not the case. Um, a lot of times when we have founders that have come through at least our accelerator program, they've been in business and pushing their product and pushing their brand for well over two years. Um, but yeah, the traction doesn't happen overnight and you'll have to do a lot of reiterations of your business plan and your idea and your MVP. Um, so yeah, I think it's just that we see the end result and we think that it happens quick and people don't talk about the challenges and the obstacles transparently enough and often enough. Yeah. So then, so then day one, do you guys go through that with people? Because if that's a big thing, I would, I mean, Tim and I have been through that a billion times ourselves, you know, it's, we get it. Well, I just, to, I just to still uh, hear that. It's, push something out on LinkedIn couple days or two, uh, yeah, two days ago, I put something on LinkedIn. So it, you guys are probably aware, audience members are not, uh, the top 100 people to meet in 2024 for Virginia happen to be on that list. And what, I wanted to make sure that people understood the backstory behind that, that almost 13 years ago, when I decided to start my business, I, I didn't know a soul. I mean, like, I didn't even know where to start. And, and Zach was one of the first people that I had met um, so, I mean, like that's a, that's a culmination of like almost 13 years of work before getting to that point, you know? So I'm sure that there's a lot of new founders and new into the game, like, oh man, you know, look at these people, I'm going to put in a little bit of work and then the same thing's going to happen to me. But, but that is so far from the truth. I mean, it is grinding and grinding year after year. Yeah, so um, to answer your question, Zach, it is one of the first things that we talk about, right? So one one thing that we have to establish is you have to understand if entrepreneurship and being a founder is really what you want to do. So we start with understanding your why. Why are you here? Why do you want to start this either company or why do you want to create this invention, right? And because that is going to lead us to let you know that this is going to be a lot of work. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, and then once you solidify your why and you're like, yes, I really want to do this, um, then we take you and we introduce you to the customer discovery, right? So it's like, yeah, you have established a problem and you understand why you want to do it, but now you need to go out and verify that there's a market for it. 
and that um, the customer or consumers actually need and or want this product. And I think that's where a lot of founders also struggle because you think that process should be simple, right? Like you can just go out and ask your friends, ask your family, hey, if I create this app, would you use it? Of course, they're going to say yes. Um, but realistically, that's that's not what comes to fruition. Oftentimes, when you start that's, to tell them the price point, you don't want to pay for That it. is asking your family and 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 your friends, I think is the absolute worst thing you can do. Right. So like I always tell a story about my mom Uh to this day, still thinking I'm a good singer in seventh grade. I tried out for chorus. I get up there. Simon Cowell is 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 in front and is is listening. Paul Abdul. And I sing about five seconds and uh, they just they 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 go and puke. They they stand up. It's, it's not the X Factor, Tim. This is American Idol we're talking about, okay? <laughs> they're sitting there. You got Randy, Randy Jackson sitting there, and they're just like, this is awful. Please stop, you know? Um, William Hung, I believe his name, is a better singer than me, right? So they're like, she you're bangs. not going to make this course. She bangs. Exactly. They're like, you are the worst yeah. singer ever, right? These are actually yeah. talented professionals who are telling me that I am absolute garbage, my mom is like, it's okay. I think you're a great singer. To this day, 25 years later, still is like, you're a good singer. I'm like, mom, love you. I'm not a good singer. No right. one wants to hear me sing. And so to, to, to reinforce your point here, it's like, stop asking your friends. Stop asking your family. Yes, maybe they can support you and buy it and share it and do those things. And that's wonderful. But if you mm-hmm. look at them and say, that's my target customer, just because they said that, you are giving yourself a false identity of who your customer is, and it's it's going to absolutely skew and screw you in this process of trying to figure out who your customer is, because they're just going to be nice, and that's it's it's awful. It's 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 terrible. Love you <laughs> though, that, mom. Love you. And that happens more than than more than we think, right? More often than not. Um, and then there's also a way you should go about asking your questions and doing your customer discovery. It isn't just like presenting them your full-fledged idea. One, you need to be able to protect your IP, right? So if this becomes a big thing, you don't want to go spreading the word all over town and someone does it for you. But more importantly, right, you're not ever going to get an honest answer um, if you told them, hey, this is what I'm working on. So you have to figure out how to ask roundabout questions and build the relationship and the conversation to kind of do that customer discovery. And I think that's step number one. And it's probably the biggest thing that founders, at least in my opinion, struggle with just even initiating the process um, and how to go about getting the responses. Because then you'll find yourself wasting money developing something that people don't even want. Yeah, yeah. One one thing just to piggyback uh, and give kudos to Tim, you know, 13 years ago, winning this, winning the top, top, 124 to meet award whatever mention whatever that is it an award did you get like a medal whatever it is um page page 93 of anomaly this is what tim did to grow his network this is what he did to me some um sarah sarah brin guy is who introduced you oh yeah yeah rob haggadis yeah Mm -hmm. yeah rob haggadis uh introduced you to me and then at the end of our meeting you said something along the lines of, uh, or I say, at the end of every new meeting, uh, Tim Ryan would ask his guest or the person that he's meeting with if there is someone else that he should contact, which allowed him to leverage their name to help create a new relationship. 
look at the end of that meeting. Like if you just ask someone, Hey, who could I meet? Is there anyone else in this specific thing? You know, with like, maybe not just, Hey, who should I meet? It should be like a little bit more clarity or a, a definitive in there. And that person introduces you to them. That can be a very powerful thing. Obviously that, that, that helped Tim grow his network. And I think you still do that. I would imagine you still do something similar to that now. Um, but it's, if you're in a customer discovery standpoint and you're trying to figure out who to talk to, it's like, talk to your network first, talk to your mom and your friends about those things. Maybe they know people that are in that, in that field that you're looking for and see if they'll make the introduction in there. But it's, you got to do that work. And if you, if you think that you're just going to Kevin Costner, this whole business and you know, you build it and they will come. I'm not sure that you're going to see the results that you want. Well, the, the crazy thing is, is, like just from a business story that I find so fascinating and not giving up after the first try, like what the Lion King, is that, what is that? What is, it, what is the Netflix? Was it Lion King? No, that's the Disney show. What's what's, what's the, Tiger, one, the King. Dude? Tiger King? That's what I'm, dude. Oh, like hell the yeah. audience, we gonna bring up Tiger King? Well, this Carol stuff, Baskin, like, let's go. Yeah. Well, maybe like the audience and what he would, I mean, that, that dude's crazy, you know, but he found enough people and was just, never gave up to the point where he grew this audience to have you know, have one of the most successful Netflix series. You know, I mean, it's just like, so to give up after the first no is just, it's just crazy. I think you told me something like this, Tim, once. Like, I feel like it's the Stripe guy, but I could be wrong. There was someone who had 400 investor meetings and just kept getting no's and like count countless credit cards would would, would um, constantly put up the the builds on and stuff like that what do you remember who that was well gosh there's so like, many of those stories but uh i mean like but yeah um, i mean you're willing airbnb, to do the... airbnb was one of them okay um calm was one of them i mean there so many of these companies they're down to like it's just so it seems so cliche down to like on fumes the last investor uh, but yeah, you just got to keep But this going. case was they didn't even have an investor. You think about Ring when the guy, I think he went on Shark Tank or something. And I want to say it was Mark Cuban or one of the Shark Tank celebrities who told him no. And then a few yeah. months or a year later, it was like worth multiple millions, billions probably at this point. So I think Ring is a really good one. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. You got to look, you know, timing obviously is probably the single most important thing in, in the success of a of a business. And you look at Airbnb, you look at Uber, you look at a ring. I think consumers at those kind of beginning stages of that really might've questioned those things. Oh, you, you're going to tell me I'm going to get into a rando's car, a random's house, like uh, where you're just going to have, you know, I'm going to be able to put my own camera up. Those things didn't seem possible back then. And it's interesting to see now that you look at it and you're like, okay, well, I don't want to call ADT. I want to call ring because it's a heck of a lot cheaper. I'm I, it's, it seems a lot safer, you know, and, and you got these other bigger companies that have been there forever scrambling because it's now built more for the consumer, but the timing of these things is important. I remember when I heard of Uber the first time, well, Uber was black, uh, black cars to start. Uh, what were, I think that's. Yeah. Like, like a that. town cars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I mean, Airbnb, you hear that story 10, 10 years ago. You're just shaking your head like, there is no way. Like, I would never do that. But they had enough champions in enough big enough cities that were willing to to go to bat for them. And, that, and that's, the, that's the key to customer discovery to me is you got to find those champions. 
because they will go to bat for you. They will love you and, and they can make you a successful business. Yeah. And the second thing is you also, they not only are investing, especially early stage in your company and your product, they're investing in you. So you got to also build relationships, right? Everything can't be transactional. Um, at 757 Collab, we have this thing where we say you got to give before you get, right? Like you got to give some of your time. You got to build that relationship. You got to offer to help other people. You can't just go into every scenario asking someone to give something of themselves and you haven't given them anything. Um, and so I think that's another downfall. It's like the soft skills of networking, right? And people don't talk about soft skills enough either. Yeah, I always find it really, really fascinating within the entrepreneurial community, like uh, the people that don't have the give before you get mentality, the people that are there just handing out business cards or trying to to, to, to close sales that first time. They get weeded out really, really fast. It, it, it don't, you'll Typically, you only see it one time and they're like, eh, I don't feel too welcome here. I mean, it's just it's pretty cool. And it's super Bye. simple. Instead of asking for something, just talk to someone, right? Like, and I'm a business owner too. So sometimes you get in that like, oh, it's the last quarter, it's the last week of the month, I'm not hitting my goals, I really need to get this done. But you also have to take a breath, take a seat back or take a step back and say, I, one, I don't even know if I want to work with this person, right? You're just going out and asking for money and passing up your cards. Every customer, every investor isn't the right partnership you need. So it's to your benefit too, to like, just start having conversations with people. How are you? How are your kids? You know, have you been watching the stock market? I don't know. But don't just go forcing yourself on people. What are you watching on Netflix? Yeah. Did you watch Tiger King? <laughs> Look, I'm a firm believer that Tiger King hit uh, hit at the right time when Timing everyone was like stuck at home all over. But that. he still he still built that thing to that point. Sure. Before sure. it's just a wild. great. What are you watching good. on Netflix right now, Zach? Uh, I started watching this movie. I can't remember what it's called, but my brother watched all the Marvels in chronological order. There's an actual way to, to talk about it. And he told me about like this like two, three years ago. And I'm not like into superhero movies, but I've started watching some of them and actually ranking mm. them. And so I guess like the Avengers and Iron Man and I've never Thor. Seen one. Well, I, I had never really oh, seen okay. any of these either. I so uh. So it's interesting. Some of them are like, so there is the Incredible Hulk with um, the first Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton. It is maybe the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. It is terrible. And so I think I rated that a 5.1 in Olympic scoring. And it should have probably got a, a 3.7 now that I'm thinking mm. about it. Like it was it was pretty bad. What about you, Carrie? What are you watching right now? Um, so first of all, I am a Marvel head, like not oh. comic book Marvel, but like when it comes to a Marvel movie, I'm there. I'm actually trying to get to the movie theaters this weekend to see the new Marvel one that just released with all the lady Marvel characters. Mm. Um, and if you want to watch it in chronological order, I believe it's on Disney plus. It's like one of the subheadings yeah. and it yeah. brings it out for you. Um, yeah. and so I that's, that's, that's the only way I could do it because I need yeah. someone to guide me. Yeah. And same see the storyline for sure like who came first and started it all so hmm. I'm, I'm with your brother on the marvel chronological order thing. yeah he spent like one weekend and did the whole thing and uh i think there's like 40 movies i'm maybe Whoa. 10 in at this point it'll probably take me a year because i'll watch like 45 minutes here 45 minutes there 
Um, but it is the time, uh, the actually, now that I think about it, I'm watching the Santa Clauses with my wife, uh, which is Tim Allen uh, on. Yeah. Tim Allen is, is yeah. I think it's Tim Allen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, from home improvement. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm watching that. I'm two episodes into that. We watched it last year. I love Christmas. I love Christmas what's your, movies. Uh, so both of you throwing out this out to both of what's, what's your favorite Christmas? What is the number one Christmas movie? Mm -hmm. uh, that's a good one. I'm a Grinch girl. I like the Grinch. And most people will say the one with Jim Carrey, that's number two for me. I like the animated one, not the original animated one, but the first animated one or the set, the newest animated one. And then the one with Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey Live. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a three-way tie between Frosty the Snowman, Elf, and Home Alone, the original, but also an honorable mention. And the most underrated Christmas movie of all time is Prancer. Um, most people have never heard of that. It's about a girl who uh, rescues and saves a reindeer who gets lost. Mm. So um, it's a great one in there. You always got to watch it. Um, but those three, I think, are yeah are, are, are 1A, B, and C and have to kind of be there. Uh, it's... That's just the way I feel. What about you, I, 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 we watch Elf. Elf and Christmas Vacation are probably the two most popular. Uh, Megan loves Christmas Vacation. That's her favorite. Yeah. They don't make. Yeah, they don't. Chevy Chase. They just don't make it. Like, they. They need to bring something like that back. But, Kira, I'm curious. So you left. You were born and raised here. You left and you came back. What changed during that time? And then the second part to that is what still needs to change so that we can make the next incremental step forward? Yeah. Um, so a lot changed from when I was gone and when I came back. I would say most of it being um, when I left, and maybe it could have been my age and just what I was exposed to at the time. I didn't see a lot of push for small businesses. I didn't see a lot of push for business development and innovation, especially not in um, diverse communities or underserved communities. And I see a lot of that now. And I think that's happening across the world with the whole thing with um, George Floyd and during COVID and everything was really spotlighted on the um, inequalities that were happening. And so I do see that now we're pushing a lot for that. And I love the fact that Hampton Roads is really trying to push for tech because realistically, that's where the money is, right? That's where the economy is. That is something that beyond medical is not going to go anywhere. Um, so if we can really get a hold on being a go-to for tech and tech headquarters, I think we will see a lot of economic stimulation. Um, and so... What was the second part of that question? Of what, uh, what's, what still needs to improve so that we can make the next increment forward? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that needs to improve is going to be access to capital for under underserved and underestimated communities and founders and small business owners. So we'll see a lot of things that are put in place that say, hey, we have these grants. Hey, we have these opportunities. But when you really start to get into the fine print and you start to go through these programs, it's really not as accessible as it seems. Um, a lot of the things are like match grants, right? So in order to get a $50,000 grant to start or scale your business, you have to have $50,000 in the bank. Well, if I have $50,000 in the bank, I probably wouldn't be here asking for the additional 50. Um, 
And so there's a lot of small like things in the underlying. So it's like publicly, yeah, we're doing a lot right. and we have all these grants and no one's coming to get them. Well, I came to get it and I hadn't been in business two years. I didn't have mm -hmm. tax savings for the last few years. I didn't already have um, $100,000 in revenue. I didn't already have $50,000 in liquidity sitting over there for me to get it. So it's like, yeah, it. That's why no one's getting it because we we don't have the quality. We don't meet the requirements. Um, yeah, banks the, banks will tell you making it easier. Banks will tell you a lot of that stuff, right? Where it's like you 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 think it's going to be easy to get something, and then you're like, oh, you got to be in business for three years. You actually have to have an 851 credit score, which is you know not possible. Um, you know, since it stops at 850, you know, there's all these things, you know, you, you gotta be in, you, you, you just, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's a, I don't know if it's a scam, but it's, it's, it's obnoxious. We've heard from people on this show, um, from the DEI perspective of that, that a lot of companies will say, say all this stuff. They'll make it seem great and shiny, but it's really just a check mark. And they're actually not really doing anything to actually make it a reality. If I was trying to get involved in DEI, if I was trying to understand that and 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 make sure that companies are actually doing what they said, how do, how am I as a as a as a person able to just even recognize that from from afar? Because I think it's something that a lot of people believe in and and want to get behind, and then to hear that a lot of companies are just kind of face valuing it, it's it's a travesty. And it's like, how do you make sure that like this thing that is so important isn't just a check mark and is actually doing what it's supposed to do? Yeah, um, I think transparently, the, the first thing we have to realize is that um, people define diversity very differently, right? So me as a black woman, when I say I want to go into a space and I want to be in a diverse space, that means I want to see people that look like me. I want to see brown people. I want to see um, people that can relate to the culture, um, that type of thing. I want to see people that look like me. And a lot of times when people use the words and corporations use the words diversity, diversity to them can sometimes be di diversity of thought, right? They, they try to water it down with that. Um, and so that for them could be you're a white man, but you're from you're a member of the LGBTQAI community. To me, yes, that's diversity of thought, but that's not diversity of people um, as far as ethnicities. Same thing as a lot of times people will try to get credit by being diverse um, and being inclusive because they have a woman founder. Well, yes, that is a part of a minority group if it's a non-white male, however, to me, that is still not diversity. Um, diversity would be if you had a black woman in that seat or a brown woman in that seat. Um, so I think that's really it. It's like, let's stop trying to make a way out of, you know, how to spin what diversity is. We know what it meant and what it stemmed from. Um, it stemmed from during the pandemic when we saw and we put spotlight on the fact that black and brown people are treated differently and it became very apparent when we saw the George Floyd case um, and then people really started to do their research. And then we see it now through like book bans and the things that they're trying to restrict our knowledge of and having access to get knowledge on. Um, so it's it's that it's like putting black and brown people in those spaces and in those seats and not just trying to spin it and say, well, we have five women founders, so we have a diverse board. That's not the same if it's five white women. How? What's the number? that makes 
like from a from a numbers perspective and i'm gonna try to articulate this as, as best i can let's say there's 10 people that we're talking about right what percentage of that needs to be diverse so that that conversation is like okay this has been fulfilled or or I isn't it isn't the challenge you know we we have fixed this problem like what is what does that number need to be at so that you know things have we've moved on from from this right and moved on is probably not the right way to say it but like like so that we're getting to the point where it's not it's not one you know it's yeah. it's where, where is that number that that we need to get to i would say for me it's 50 50 right like you can't ever have it you can't leave it where there's a minority and a majority right so even if it's four and six that's still like if it comes down to a vote of like, how do we move forward with whatever action for the company or whatever action for this project, if all of your diversity is still the minority number, we're still not making way and we're still not necessarily being heard. Um, so I would say at best 50-50, uh, 49-51. Um, but then there is a statistic that says, um, it's called the 15% pledge where they say that 15% of the population and 15% of the consumer dollars, I believe, come from black and brown pocketbooks and wallets. So they have this initiative that companies should have at least 15% of their workforce should be of black and brown people. Um, so that's another statistic, but for me, it's, it's close to 50-50 as possible. Yeah, I just, and I, it's, I don't know if this is the right attitude or response, but I just, I'll just be so happy when we get to the point as I mean, mature enough as a society that it doesn't, we don't have to preface anything with all of this. I mean, it's just, uh, and, and again, I don't know if that, if I said it, articulated it correctly, but it just, it's, I don't know. We, we put an emphasis on this show to make sure that everybody is represented. Everybody is, uh, included, um, and I know that's something that, that we're really, really proud of. Yeah, I think um, I think we all both sides want that. Right. Like I want to be able to go into a space where I don't have to second guess whether or not I'm going to be the only black person or the only black woman or sometimes the only woman in general in the space. I would love to get to a space where I can wake up every day and just know that everything that is given to me and everything that I go for, I'm going to get a fair shot at it. Right. Um, but that's not the case as it stands and the best way for us to move forward collectively are for allies that see that to be able to come to the table and have these uncomfortable conversations and really be receptive to what we're saying a lot of times people try to project and assume what we're saying we need and that's where we kind of drop the ball because that's not exactly what we were saying um and yeah so that's yeah. the big it's for allies to really just sit down, reach out, find a counterpart such as myself that you really want to be able to figure out how do we create solutions and how do we actively act on those solutions and let's make the plan. Like we have to start activating things. We have to start being action oriented around it. Yeah, I agree. And I think that uh, it's give and take all around us. Like I like me, I'm not afraid to put my be to be vulnerable. And if I don't know the right answer, I'm okay with not knowing the right answer and asking, what do I do in order to be right? And then, and then, so if we can give and take in the sense of Kira, you telling 
know that you're thinking about this wrong. This is the way, then I'm totally cool with that. And like, this is the only way that we can continue to move forward. That's the point. Yep. That's the part. I like to think of it as, um, I, I had a friend who just told me this other day, shout out to Theo. Um, I like myself as a cultural translator, right? So I am the person that bridges the gaps between, um, our white counterparts and our black communities, because I know what we need in the black community and I can go back and talk to them, but I can also translate to you what they're trying to say and translate back to them what they heard. Um, so yeah, I am a vessel for you to use for cultural translations. Ooh, a vessel, I like that word. I'm gonna use that, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on to collab? What's like, like I'm a founder, I'm, I you know, got an idea. I got a business, maybe a little bit of, of revenue, hopefully a lot of revenue. Uh, I'm looking to continue to grow. Do I just do it on my own? Why do I need something like a collab? Like, what's the what's the pitch there? Like, why why should I invest my time as a founder in something that, on the surface, doesn't seem like it's it's the next step, if you will? Yeah. So. The thing about collab that makes it amazing is we are a one-stop shop for founders and small businesses, um, specifically scalable high growth businesses. So if you are a founder and you're like, I've heard about collab and I don't know what it is, or I don't know why I should come. First of all, stop by, talk to us, um, and I'll tell you a few things. So we have four different pillars, right? We have seven by seven startup studios in which that will help you from ideation, incubation, all the way into getting like your MVP. So your minimal valuable product. Um, And that's something that you can start to take to investors just to say, hey, this is where I'm trying to go. And if you invest in me, this is how I'm going to scale it and grow it. Um, And then we have 757 Accelerate, which are for companies like you kind of described that already have revenue, already have traction. And they're really just trying to launch this thing to get it to the next level so that in the course of the next few years after that, they're able to exit um, and get a big payout, hopefully. And in that, we offer a 12-week cohort right now. It's once a year. Um, When we take them through programming to make sure that their brand is on par, their pitch deck is up and ready, that they understand all of their numbers and their finances. And then at the end, we do something that's really cool and we take them on an investor roadshow. So we literally put them in a bus and we bust them up and down the coast of um, Virginia and we get them in the rooms, face front and center with investors. Then we have our in-house 757 Angels, which is an angels investment group, um, which is now powered by Venture South. And we bring in um, founders through that door too. And we get them and we have them present to our investment group. And we there try to focus on Hampton Roads-based companies specifically. Um, And then we have our last pillar, which is our innovation and partnership. So if you are a business or a corporation or another organization in Hampton Roads or in Virginia, and you have programming that you want to run, we are your go-to for that as well. So that's what makes 757 Collab great, is that we have literally, literally everything you need under one roof. Um, in addition to over 250 mentors, we do a thousand plus hours of mentorship throughout the year. Um, and we have about a 75% engagement rate. So that means not only mentors engaging with founders, but founders coming back to engage with the program and help other founders. I would say you, 
I see you a lot going through when I going into collab. So I'm taking this in a whole different 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 way. You are you are like from a style standpoint, Zach. You don't know this because you've this is the first time that you have met. From a style standpoint, Carrie, you're you're always on point. Where uh, do you do that locally? Do you you know where where, where do you where do where do you get the style that because you are always you you're always on point. You mean my style and delivery? And like how well I your delivery, but you like the clothes that you wear. I mean, you just it's just I don't know. yeah, fashion. Thank you. It it's one of those things of like you look good, you feel good, you speak good, you treat people good, right? So especially when I have to do something that's public facing, I really try to put myself together because again, if I look good, I'm gonna feel good, and I can just be nicer to people. I think I'm nice either way, but uh, but thank you for that. <laughs> I really do. Well, we will be the judge of we will be the judge of that whether or not we think that you are nice or not. Um, well, yeah, Kara's always yeah. been super super nice to me, but I mean it's just like it, I, I would never complimented know. me on my style, Tim. I mean, come well, on, I, you, know, you don't like the jeans and a black tee. I mean, like come I, on, I, maybe when you see Kira for the first time, you're like, yeah, Tim was right, you know, and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, I but it's no, I it's, I, I dig it and. Um, I'm a yeah, big I'm fan of like the personal style brand of people. And when they are kind of expecting something like that, like with me, I think at some point people are like, okay, we know he's good. There, there is a brand behind the black tee, you know? And then at one point I added a jean jacket into it, you know, to, to, to style it up a little bit, to be a little innovative, if you, if you will. And so I, I do think there is an aspect to that. That is a, a marketing Avenue is, is a branding opportunity. And I think that people if you just go to, you know, a random, uh, you know, I'm going to use this example. You go to any chamber event, everyone looks exactly the same, right? And you sit there and you're like, okay, like this is stale. This is boring. And you go somewhere else and you see people that have a little bit of style or even one person that looks different in, in one of those events. They're the one that I, my eyeballs are going to go to and I want to go talk to because I'm like, damn, like, they're not stale suit guy. Like, let's, let's go. Let's, let, let's figure this out. And so anyone listening, it's like, Hey, just because everyone else is dressed that way, doesn't mean that you should, doesn't mean that that's the thing that's, that that's necessary, right? Just because everyone's asking business questions at a business networking event, doesn't mean that you have to ask business questions. You can be the anomaly. You can, you can be, you don't have to be status quo in that case to, to see success. And so I, I think that's, that's something that more individuals, should explore and i think they'll see great results from it i think the other thing too is like what you wear and how you look it, it does dictate how approachable you seem right um so in our space i am more on the creative side i love being creative i love being around creators whether that's music whether that's art whether that's literature whether that's tech right like there is a aspect of tech that is super creative um so I don't want to be at collab with a suit and tie buttoned up and I seem close off. It's like, that's for the investors to do if they so choose to. But when you come to me, I'm here to help you get your creative juices flowing, right? I, I want you to be able to show up and be personable and be your authentic self and spit out whatever your obstacles are or whatever is frustrating you and not feel like you have to talk to me like I'm a Harvard professor. Um, and then it's just something in comfort and owning who I am. And again, being able to show up and be authentic 
in that and showing other people that you don't have to follow the norm, um, especially women. Like you very rarely see me in like some stilettos, right? I'll maybe wear a black heel here and there if I want to dress it up. But most of the time I'm in sneakers. I'm in some J's. So, yeah. So I'm curious, like as uh, different cohorts go through collab, Will you see a transition take place like day one, week one, everyone's uh, kind of buttoned up and then they uh, relax everything as, uh, as as time goes on? You know, I'm trying to think about this last cohort. Um, I think it depends on the thing. So when they're so they only do four weeks collectively in our studio. So they do the first two weeks and the last two weeks. Right. Um, so they are very busy the first two weeks and the last two weeks meeting investors and presenting their pitches. So it really depends on the vibe and the culture of the company they're presenting. So if the the brand and it's on brand for them to be more relaxed, then they typically will dress more relaxed. Um, if it's on brand for them to be more buttoned up, like they're presenting to the military, they are typically in within dress code. Um but I do that, right? So I come in and we kind of, I come in a little bit more professional with the blazer, still fashionable, um, just to present ourselves and who we are and let them know that, hey, we mean business. But as the weeks go along and they try to, they get to know me as a person, I dress down a little bit more throughout the week. Yeah, it's interesting, just in the sense of like definitions of business casual are, uh, they've changed a lot since COVID. Uh, I mean, like to me, Business casual is, uh, you know, I put a jacket on, in addition uh -huh. to the, in addition to my jeans. You know it, uh, but it's evolved. That's to me, I mean, that's most companies' dress codes now are jeans. Um, and if I had a vendor meeting or something like that, I'd throw on a blazer. So you don't want to know my dress, my business casual. <laughs> jeans. There's no jeans. It's just like. Straight up basketball <laughs> shorts. Like, let's go. Like, I, I look. Now, I'm a firm yeah. believer that be be yourself. Like, be be who you well, are. Well, and, and that's right. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, whether if it is a pitch, whether if it's your pitch deck, whether if it's what your 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 appearance. Yeah, I, I really I want to see the the true authentic person and stand behind that. Um, that that's that's really what I want to see, and and life just gets so much sweeter when we can cut through all of that, and then just like get down to, let's just be real, and yep. then then that's when the relationship starts. Yep. What is the food of the seven five seven? Hmm. The food. That's a good question. I don't know. I think you can get a little bit of anything in seven five seven. Right, but if you were if, if if someone was to travel here and there's like the food that you have to try that is this area is known for, you know, uh, well you're in Texas, so probably brisket, right? It was maybe something there or just fried food, you know, the like the fried stuff at the Dallas State Fair, the Texas State Fair. Uh, well, crab I'm crab in Maryland, crab cakes in Maryland. Yeah, I'm. Soul food girl, right? So I feel like the soul food in the right places and the right venues is super good in Virginia. Um, and I mean like liver and gravy. There's some um spots that have some really good oxtails that are coming out, um, mm -hmm. some good collard greens, mac and cheese. Um, but then if I think about what's iconic, it's not really food, it would be a drink, and that's the orange crush, right? Like you gotta go to Waterman's, you gotta get an orange crush. 
Whoop, there it is. Tim, that's yeah. Tim's. That, that that's yeah. <laughs> I'm dying to know about um the drag racing and the race car aspect. Yeah, so um I have a show car. Um it, I, actually it's my daily driver, but I do um compete with it. I've won four trophies now and awards. Um, but it's a 2015 Camaro, it's a V6 that I don't race. Um, but it has like a light kit, LEDs, underglows, aftermarket, radio, um, the hood, the headliner has my name in it and it's LEDs it has like this super cool star effect. Where, 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 where do you park when you're, uh, at assembly at CoLab? So funny enough, I don't drive to assembly. I take the ferry. Ah. So I have a little electric scooter and I stay on the Portsmouth side, um, right outside where the ferry picks up. And I get on the ferry every morning, and then I just scoop to Granby Street. Um, unless it's raining, and then then I drive and I just park and pay. But for the most part, I don't drive. So you you said you don't you don't race them. So we're not batting pink slips. So I don't race that. Um, I am working on building a race car. I want to build a '68 Chevelle. Um, yeah. My fiance has a. 79 Malibu, I believe, um, mm. that he's building. He's from Detroit, so Motor City. Um, his brother races. He has a Malibu. I don't know what year. And then his dad has a Mustang, and they race. Um, so, yeah, I spend a lot of time promoting his brother because he's the one that has the race car that's up and running, and we're still building ours. But, yeah. Hmm. That's really cool. Please tell, please tell me the ferry. Do they take Apple Pay or something? No, it's probably still quarters. Uh, yeah, and it's exact change. They can take yeah. dollars, but it has to be exact change. And I think it's $2.50 for a regular person. When will they? I just, we got to clip this and send this to, I mean, please get with the times. It would be so much easier. I just want to be able to tap my phone and then just, I mean, I would take that so much. I never carry cash to begin with, let alone court change. I mean, like yeah. it just doesn't happen. Um, I think, and I could be wrong. And even if they don't do that, like if there is a website you could go to and do it online and just pay through your phone and then show them your ticket, like StubHub or something. Um, but I do, what's really cool is if you work in downtown Norfolk, you can go through the downtown Norfolk council. I think that's what it's called. Um, and you can get an annual pass to ride hmm. the HRT. So that includes the ferry, the bus system, um, the tide, as well as the, I think the trolley that they have at the Virginia beach oceanfront. Um, and it's like $250 or less a year, around $220, $250 a year, and you get unlimited ride. Hmm. I don't know. I think so, this is a classic um, case where so they forget. pay about $200 a ride to PRT all year. 20 bucks a month. That's pretty good if you're doing huh? it. Yeah. It's about 20 bucks a month. That's pretty good. Yeah. I just think that they forget they forgot the who their customer is. Yeah, I mean it's just like gosh, could you imagine what ridership would be if you can just tap and go? I mean it's just the New York subway system. They they uh, you know you can Apple Pay, Google Pay that, and just uh, be on your way. It's just you're too uh, techno technologically advanced, Tim. We no. need a this is you're making this too difficult. Quarters listen, are fine. listen, yeah. 
That's why there's a change shortage. Come on now. I don't believe that. So oddly enough, we do have a mentor who works for HRT, um, and we work closely with the Hampton Horse Transit. So I will pass this message along and let them know <laughs> we need Apple Pay, some type of digital pay accepted on the on the transit line. I would be willing to bet that their ridership would increase exponentially if they did that. I'd be like, to me, like, I, I, I like to drive, drive downtown, uh, especially if there's a concert over at Portsmouth, start at the main, have a couple mm -hmm. of drinks, take the ferry over there, go to the concert, come back. I mean, it just, it, I don't know. Yeah, just, that would be, that's a nice day. That's typically how I do it. Um, for the events at Town Point, I think it's called Town Point Park, and they have like the wine festival. I don't have to drink and drive. I can go and get on the ferry and walk right on over. Never been. Don't pay any attention if you see anyone that looks like us at that <laughs> event. Just just go about your business and. <laughs> Never been. <laughs> nope, we can pop uh. a bottle together. Next wine fest. Bottle 110. <laughs> It's uh, fortunately have not been, we have not been in a while and uh, that's probably for the best, um, <laughs> but there are pictures that will never be leaked. Hopefully. Not Kira, it's been great. What, what, what's something that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? Um, honestly, more so I want to see more diverse members. And when I say diverse, I mean, black and brown people, coming to assembly, coming to 757 collab events, seeing what we're about. You have a friendly face in the room. If you didn't know me before, now you know me, Kiara Underwood. Um, and I wanna help people. Like I wanna help you at whatever your endeavors are. So even if we're not best fit and best suited to help you at 757 collab, I have a wealth of knowledge of other resources that can help you throughout the city. Um, so we have like black brands, we have the small business administration, we have ICAP. We have the Mid-Atlantic Tech Bridge. So even if I don't have the answer, I know someone that does. So just stop by and talk to me. Well, I've enjoyed the, the past hour. Thank you so much. I, I really, I really, really enjoyed getting to know you better. That's that's uh, that's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Until next time, peace. Like and subscribe. Thank you. Bye bye.